Okay. <laughs> yes. We're going to start with a long yeah. With yeah. Yeah. Um, the light is reflecting in my glasses. Yeah, annoying way. Um, I'm talking in a rumbly voice. That's not good. Why? No, just felt like I had a, a yeah, or like a vocal fry. Mm. Um, so I keep having these dreams about my mum, and uh, well, my mum's in them. One dream, she was being attacked by the neighbour's dog, and she was crying. <laughs> just not likely in any way. But this other one, I, my mum was driving me somewhere. And I was, for some reason, only wearing a towel. I'd just come out of the shower and I had like wet hair and I just had this huge towel around me. <laughs> and then my mum got out the car, just in the middle of, we were just in the middle of the road. It was driving along and then she just kind of walked out the car and it was right. still going. Um, but she hadn't indicated right. So the car didn't know that it had to turn. And so it just carried on straight at this junction and my mum was going off to the right walking and the car just kept going. And then I was kind of outside of the car, but I had to get in while holding this towel on and get control of the car. And it kept going until it got to this hill. And then the, the steepness of the hill was like slowing it down. So I had to get in before it started going backwards up this hill. And I managed to like climb into the driving seat. And then I was like having to control this car and I couldn't and it was really out of control and it was going up on the verge and it was like swerving around corners and things and then eventually I found my mum and she was in <laughs> and she was in a cafe and she was just like well can I have my car back now and the car had turned into a bike that I pushed into the cafe and I was like well I did just rescue it for you you know and then she just went I'm really obsessed with this tea shop at the moment <laughs> and it was it was like this hipster cafe and all these like, hipsters dressed as cowboys came in and they were like, wow, this place is amazing, man. <laughs> what? That sounds great. It was Wait, very... So were, you just wearing a, were you just wearing a towel? You said? Yeah, the whole dream. <laughs> is, the, is that still in the driving test, that just wearing a towel get into an abandoned uh, runaway car? Yeah, maybe it is. Test. But yeah, I haven't driven for so long. Mm. It's a strange... That'd be quite a good have. question on, on the theory test. What would you do if <laughs> you know just like just the way they're phrased you're wearing only a towel and a car stops to roll away yeah do you a <laughs> let it let the car go yeah uh try to climb into the driving street c wait for it to turn into a bicycle <laughs> your mother later in a cafe d, or d go, all of the above. go for brunch <laughs> in a hipster cafe <laughs> <laughs> Oh. 30 miles an hour <laughs> and then in the same dream then I was in <laughs> this barn that I owned and I had illegally acquired <laughs> manure <laughs> and it was <laughs> like a lot of manure and I felt really guilty about it because I'd been given it illegally and it was all piled up in this barn I was like I'll just get rid of it now it's gone off anyway and I was like shoveling it out and then I saw heard this noise and I looked up and there was a green woodpecker that had made a nest in the corner of the barn mm. what these are really good ones yeah lots of detail I know and also really abstract you know nothing to do with anything <laughs> right personal um I told you that I found out about when I was doing my research for the project, that I found out about the Jungian society. 
where oh, yeah. you join and they do meet up and then you all like analyze your dreams we should do it i wonder what that's like but yeah i wonder what it's like is it really tedious do you think i don't know they what also, kind of people would go i don't know i can't imagine it being a big group even in london maybe it's, i'll meet the love of my life there maybe a Jungian psychologist i don't they? think it's like oh i don't know maybe they are Oh. It'd be interesting. I wonder as well whether they. Don't you, I reckon it must be that I bet it's the same people that go all the time as well. Yeah. It's like you're going, there'll be people who've been doing it for like eight years plus or something. That makes me sense. It, it sounds rare. like it makes me think of, um, you, you know, they had like, what were they called in the 20s? They'd have. Um, I don't remember the 20s. Groups of. <laughs> they'd have sort of literary ones and they're kind of like they meet up and discuss philosophy what do they call them sort of salons salons that's it that's what i'm thinking of like mm. a gertrude stein scat salon mm. that's what it, that's what i imagine it to be we're in the 20s now this is the beginning of oh, the yeah. roaring 20s is it uh, roaring <laughs> no <laughs> but it probably will be after if if at any point there is a a um you know good uh I forgot what the word is <laughs> Antivirus. What's the word for oh. that? Oh, well, at least um, Trump's out. That's uh, the, you know. Wait until he's actually gone. Oh, for goodness sake. I mean, it's just a matter of time. I don't know. I don't think that's how oh. these things always work. But What do you mean? Seems... What do you think is going to happen? They're actually going to be like, oh, yeah, you're right, actually. <laughs> no, no, oh. guys, let's listen to him. I mean, maybe he does have a point. <laughs> no. no but power crazed people just do things like they just you know you just start a war in order to be like well you can't i can't leave now because there's a war on yeah. even though there'll be like but in the past there's we've changed presidents in the middle of wars but who knows mm. i can't believe it's Wait, been a week i mean also it's just going to feel a very long time until january 20th yeah <laughs> there's there's an awful lot i mean if you think uh. about like a week in, in trump what trump time is a long time trump time yeah trumpton a week in Trumpton is probably really boring as well because the same thing happens every day. They're just like, oh, we've just got to rescue another cat from a tree. Yeah. <laughs> There's never even a fire, is there? I don't, I don't think. remember actually ever watching it. I remember that I think they must have put them out again, maybe new ones. <laughs> when right. my nephew was little, the oldest one, when he was really little, <laughs> he used to be obsessed with it. I think it's Trumpton. Yeah. And um, he'd watch the same episode, you know, like kids do, over right. and over. And there was this bit in it that he found so funny. He'd, like, cry with laughter. And he'd be silent for the rest of the episode. And then this part would come up and he'd just start laughing. And the first time I saw it, I was like, said to my brother, I was like, what is? And they were, they were like, we, we have no idea what it is that's funny. But every time they say this line, he laughs. And it was, I remember, it was this thing, it was probably like rescuing a cat from a tree or something. And there was, a, I think there was snow and someone was <laughs> buried in a snowdrift. And like, oh, I wish I could remember the line. I'll have to ask my brother. There was a sort of line, but it was like someone said something really silly, like, he's under the snowdrift. And my nephew would just piss himself. <laughs> and we were all like, what? It was almost like there was some kind of code children's code in the thing that we were not picking up on right i do think I that's think true sometimes. sometimes yeah yeah or where people where kids you sort of have you misread a word as well um because mm, i know that must like, have been that 
or the there tone. Was that way, my mum um, at work sort of said that she was going to have to do some supervision. Hmm. And in my mind, it was like that's like supervision. It was like something like <laughs> Superman. Oh, <laughs> I, I love like, that. Whoa, you know. That's cool. I know as well. Aww. I just used to find words really exciting. Like some, yeah. some like you know, like at, at school we were given a project, and I was like, yes, a project. <laughs> this is so exciting. Aww. And as I've only realised after a while that a project is basically, you know, just a task. Yeah, just, a task. Yeah, but you know, your project sounds more exciting than a task. because yeah, we got a to task write sounds tiring. Project, whatever the name of the project was on the front of the book. I, I remember doing a project about bats. <laughs> and I made I a whole booklet. My, I remember my first meeting as well, because I had this temp job um, at this office when I was still at university. Yeah. Just in the summer. And... Um, so my, my manager was sort of explaining one of the things she needed doing or how the job worked or something like that. And the phone rang, she picked it up. She said, like, yes, yes, I'm in a meeting. Can I call you back? And like hung up and I was like, I'm oh. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I realized obviously I had been in meetings by that sense. But you before. didn't know just, and they weren't yes. officially. Yeah, because again, it was something, you know, I heard, you know, my mom would have meetings about things mm. and it's sort of just, it felt like, I mean, obviously meetings are various levels of, um, uh, I don't I still have never really had a job where I've had meetings really well, well have you have you ever had one where there's like actual I mean a, a classic one is where there was there was also this I used to work at this hospital and um the to this day still the director of HR there was that did the best meetings ever because he he always you know turned up like slightly early he had printed out an appropriate amount of um, agendas, you know, because some people print out like yeah. 500 and there's only 10 people come in. So it was roughly sort of one per person or, you know, a few people sharing. And then um, meeting began exactly on time, ran through the agenda, anything which took longer than it was scheduled for. He was like, okay, we'll table that for the next meeting. And then well, that's a good phrase. <laughs> yeah. Any other business. And that was it. And the meetings always just mm, progressed perfect. exactly like that. And wow. so nobody um that's unusual yeah he was so good at running meetings it was a real example um yeah and, and also they had minutes as well so he he was uh by far the best person at running meetings meetings make though. me a bit nervous yeah but i because i when i um i sort of tempt in that digital marketing office and they'd have oh they were so cheesy they called them huddles and right. they just they just had a meeting but they all sat around and they had a beer and then they go around the circle and I got that fear thing where I'm like I'm terrible at this like I mean we do have meetings at school in our department we have department meetings but it's just like there's about seven of us but I still get that thing of or maybe not now because I know them really well but you know where you have to sort of talk in front of everyone suddenly I get really nervous I'm like oh I've got to right. kind of announce what I'm doing in front of everyone and I just feel like really paralyzed by fear <laughs> but I still imagine my friends that have those jobs like Jenny has a proper sort of you know she's quite high up in her in her work and she has these long sort of proper like board you know they go and meet clients and like sit in a room and like discuss the project and it just sounds yeah. so grown up to me I hate that I don't I, yeah yeah I think I, she I, hates I also, it um various newspapers I've worked at as well have um conference as it's sometimes called morning conference where oh yeah they sort of discuss the briefing the is what we have what do. yeah a briefing that could be quite nice that that's usually pretty tightly run as well and um 
Ours are not in our school, apparently, but I don't have to go to them, which is good. Um, the most terrifying thing I think I did, which was not really a meeting as such, but I was at this conference in um, South by Southwest. Oh, yeah. And this cool. enormous room, which had thousands of people in it. And did I you have to lead it? No, I asked a question. Oh, wow. Well done. But my heart was like going yeah. so fast. I was like, <laughs> I thought I was just going to go up to the microphone and just go. <laughs> and just did you have that die. thing where you're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I get. I'm like, like, oh, my God, I'm going to answer a question. Oh, my God, I'm putting my hand up. Oh, my God, I'm going to do it. And I'll get all like clammy and it's like a build up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like with um any kind of roller coaster ride or something like that. Yeah, the worst here we come, here we come. It's, oh. it's like that bit where you're just like before you actually get into the thing because oh. like once you're in it and you're just like but I could jump out right now and you're yeah like, and then you're like okay it's starting now you're like well nothing I can ah! do. Like, Spider on the table. Jesus Christ. Sorry. <laughs> I, I think sort of explained it in my um in my stairwell the other oh. day. We had the fucking massive one on the ceiling the other day. Sorry, we just had to Hoover it. I think what our fear has come true the spider that was in the corner has had definitely had babies there's just like shitloads of tiny ones everywhere right and they're the biting ones i think i was bitten i can't think what else it was other than a spider it's really painful but so should we go into the minute because i got loads to say i was just thinking that yeah break my mind minute 17 we're getting into it now yeah and also have you rewatched really? it all the way through yet? No. I mean, not all the way through, up until but where up we to are. 17 minutes. No. I might do that. Mm. I don't know. Again, a lot of um, French in this one had to put the stuff Yeah. Um, well, not a lot, but for the minute, you know. Oh, yeah, it was quite a lot. It was in French. It was actually some talking. So it starts with him. So we finished, he was in bed. He's talked to his mum, and then he's sort of laying back down. And then he's yeah. woken again by a, a drill. Yeah. A familiar sound in my building. There always well, seems to be someone drilling. A spinning, a spinning thing as well, which I'm still unclear what it was. Spinning and it, there's a bit of foil attached to it, which seems to be... Oh, yeah, sorry. The yeah. Little so that's in the dream. Then he's him as a kid. Him as a kid with his dad, yeah. And it closes up on the boy's face. So the sound of drilling. Sound of drilling. And the fabric on the wall is like this mustard it's, corduroy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I looked what? up about corduroy. I mean, it's crazy to have wallpaper. <laughs> Why would you? It's corduroy. Strange. Yeah, I don't know. The thing, and... Um, is it just a right. patch of it? It can't be no, over the whole like was, wall. It looked like the whole wall. I want to have Weird. corduroy. Yeah, so it's do I. Luxurious. Mustard colour, yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently, I looked up corduroy is not um, French for cord of the king. That's a false. <laughs> I didn't think it was, but that's cool. I like and, the idea that it might be. Um, Why is it called comes it? from Cord de Roy, but they didn't explain what de Roy meant. <laughs> Cords of Roy. But it's but English, apparently. Not, yeah. Um, um, well, this may triggered a memory of when I was in Paris and this that flat that you came to where you fixed the toilet right at the top, and that was subletting. Yeah. Yeah. And it was very small, right? It was just like one room. Um, and there was an empty flat next door, but this flat was even smaller. This is so crazy about Paris, like literally a cupboard and they make it into a fucking 800 euro a month flat and they were doing it up and it was unbearable. Like I'd work sort of fairly late and like really hard 
at the bookshop and then they start at like seven or something in the morning just drilling next door it was just so loud it's insane I ended up having to stay at a friend's house but one day the drill came through the wall <laughs> there was just a hole oh, wait that's a bit of a spoiler but... <laughs> 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 you've done your anecdote in the wrong order there you oh yeah sorry it's in the film oh, you're not yeah. going to believe this but the, the drill literally <laughs> comes through the wall Jamma. you could have said that happened to me oh well, I, I was also going to say how unbelievable it seems. Well, we already were on that bit. But I went next door to talk to them. I was like, um, and then in my French, I was like, I don't know the word for drill. I don't know how to say any of this in French. I was just like, il y a un trou, like a hole, like in my wall. And they were just looking at me blankly, just these builders, they didn't give a shit. And I was like, it's in, you've actually come through. They gave no shits about it. They just carried on. I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, fine. Well, in my notes, um, well, wait, this is all getting a bit out of order now, but then, because, yeah, there's this sound of drilling, then a drill bit comes through the wall, which then yeah. causes the shelf to fall down, which yeah. to me doesn't seem particularly likely that those things should connect, you know, but maybe it would. It's but like, then, if so I weighted it, there must be a flimsy yeah, I shelf, so. I think. I so, yeah. I've, I've noted and all the things on the shelf. The thing that, well, the thing that was interesting is I was thinking, we thought earlier this isn't a set, that this is an actual real apartment. Yeah. But then, so they then, then go to the apartment isn't... next door where they're showing this person moving Wait, in. Wait, before then, that? What? Okay. Well, but, and she is, she's just finished drilling into the wall. And yeah. somehow, I guess, kind of, because I guess Yeah, but that's yells. after, that's later. So first, the shelf, we got a close-up of the shelf falling. Yeah. And it's got um, a pig train and some train tracks. It's got a tiny fake tree, a racing car, toy racing car. There's drawings of children's drawings of tanks on the wall. There's a, post, a Lego construction. And there's a poster of the clash and i tried to find out what oh. poster it was but i couldn't read what it said on it it's got a picture of i was going to say if anyone knows as if anyone's like <laughs> even contacting us although i have noticed that nine people have listened to the last episode i put up so people are listening to it but they just don't want to contact us it's fine it's fine maybe this is what i'm going to say have we even told them the gmail address maybe they just don't want to go on twitter i didn't know we had one we have a gmail address wait yeah, because you have to to get onto the site. Oh, what is it? You have it. It's oh, yours. No, no. That's my email address. I'm not giving oh. That <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind then. Um, if you want to Sleep minute. Sleep minute Instagram. on Instagram. Yeah, but that's a rubbish way to contact people. But anyway, sleep minute. Oh, no, they're not going to do it anyway. Or sleep minute on Twitter. They might. Anyway, anonymity. it's a poster of the Clash. It's red and blue mainly, and it's a man lying on the ground, face down, and a massive black bird is pecking at him like a sort of right. vulture and it's kind of it was um, a um yellow in the background oh. at the museum of london which i meant to go to and then lockdown happened and it mm. stayed in there for a long time because no one i guess got in there to clear all the things out but i don't i think it's gone now oh. Jane, Mr. i used to be friends with jazz strummer Joe strummer's daughter a oh. bit in paris so what she's doing now she was doing some kind of crafty thing or maybe cook. Wasn't there also a little table football as well that fell off the shelf? Oh, I didn't notice that. Because there were so many things. I was like, I won't even bother noting yeah. them down. But you well, did. I did. But maybe I wasn't sure if I got that right, but I didn't notice the poster. There's it? a drawing of a skeleton and a photo yeah, on the like pinboard of a satellite tower. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. And a picture of a woman, probably his mum, I think. Yeah. So this all falls down. So he's kind of like huddling in bed, like, what the hell's going on? And then we pan to next door and what's happening. And then we get Emma de Cohn, who we haven't seen before. And Emma de Cohn is, do you recognize the name de Cohn? No. 
I can't think of the tune tune. I'm doing a pointy dance. Who did a pointy dance? Maybe you didn't watch it. Do you remember Eurotrash? Trash? Yeah. Yeah, she's Antoine de Cohn's daughter. Oh, right. Pointy dance, Eurotrash fame. Yeah, and she is international. Yeah. Or anyone, pretty much, because because you have to be in that right kind of age and board level to kind of tune into something on it was it was a brief she was a very studenty kind of program wasn't it program on channel four with um Antoine Ducone and um oh yeah what's he called um yeah that's it the designer yeah which is really weird it was such a strange that was it I think it was a strange thing and they just had clips of things finding weird bits yeah things going on in Europe I don't know if it was specifically for the UK audience either. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was because I felt it was like he was taking, yeah, and he was taking the piss out of the British all the time. And he spoke in a really heavy accented yeah. English. Um, well, they both did. Yeah, and he. Well, I don't remember what the pointy dance was about, but he'd do a pointy dance. That's all I, I always I remember. Maybe once met the woman who did voiceovers on that. Cool. She, I think, came to this party that I went to in North London. Well, Emma DeCone's like three years older than us, so she would have been quite mm. yeah, well, old enough to be on it, maybe. But she so the main thing I found that she was in, I was looking at what she was in. Uh and she's in a Radiohead video that Gondry directed, Knives Out, oh. which I've never actually seen. Right. So and it's really cool. Watch that now. <laughs> no, I've watched it. So you'll have oh. to watch it later. <laughs> Okay. Um, it's cool though. A tiny little excerpt of the, of the song and hope that Radio um, this immediately. Yeah, it's a uh, like um, she's lying on a hospital bed, but it's like the game operation. So the the hospital bed is set out like a giant game of operation. Do you right. remember that game? Which I never had, but I did see it. Um, yeah, but that. her actual head is kind of coming through it, so it's like plastic. It's quite hard to describe. Um, I, I didn't watch it, it all, but it looks, it's got lots of animation. At some point. But apparently, it's a bit sad. I sort of looked it up, and Gondry, when he was making it, was going through a breakup, and I think he was going through a bad time. But he was like, the process was not very good. Like they had arguments, and he did all this stuff, and then Radiohead were really displeased with it, and he was annoyed. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's a bit sad. But I mean, the result is good. Um, what? Uh, and, and Tom York said that the song is about cannibalism, cannibalism, but also it's like three things that just not even connected. Also, the idea of a businessman walking out on his wife and kids and not coming back. Also, that hundred yard stare when you look at someone you know that you love and you know they're going to die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't even know the song. Seems the least congruent. Kind of, I don't. Kind of, I don't think yeah. I even know the song. Do you? I haven't listened to it yet. I might do. No. I just at the yeah, maybe recognise like, it. Can I place that? I'm not sure. But the song is very Smiths uh, influenced. Well, they were very influenced by the Smiths in the writing of the song. They're big Smiths fans anyway. But this particularly, this song, and they wrote to ah, what's he called? Not the main guy. Johnny Marr. Johnny Marr, yeah, saying, and he was really flattered. And obviously, Gondry is a fan of the Smiths. He has, there's a poster on the wall in this bedroom of the Smiths. So, there. I've made the connection. There is a connection. Well done. Um, and was there anything else about? Yeah, also just like, she's really hot. <laughs>
because she looks quite she's sort of she's got really short hair she's quite like hot dykey i think what do you right. think yeah yeah but i think she's kind of channeling a sort of quite androgynous french tomboy look yeah with very short hair and kind of jeans and a shirt i think um but she's crap at drilling so that's not very <laughs> Oh, well, she's possibly good at drilling. Well, the two guys are like, well, you're, you're shit at drilling. What, what is kind of weird is, this is the thing I'm, I'm interested in, is we think, so we, it's not a set, we think this is a real thing. Do you think they did just drill through the wall? I think they did. Yeah, probably. Because I was, I was kind of like thinking, when I went through it the second time, like, it seems a bit crazy to think that someone drilled through the wall. And then it, it cuts to the next thing and you're like, yeah, she does have this like nine inch drill bit. Yeah. But, but why would you just carry on drilling? That's the kind of insane yeah. thing. But that's, I guess, what your your builders next door did. Yeah, you know? like, they just, just keep on drilling on. until it just stops, and you're just like you just drilled all the Strange. But also, Actually, I'm not. Worked... Mm. Go on. No, go on. And I was going to say, in terms of like drilling all the time, when I worked in that hospital, there was just these people yeah. drilling all the time, and we like the joke was that they just had these drill bits <laughs> that were too long, and they were just like, we just need to we just need to shorten them somehow by wearing them down. It was just like. Because there was no reason. It was just drilling. Yeah. That's what it's like in my building. It's like always drilling coming yeah. from somewhere. And you can't tell where it's coming from yeah. because like, it sounds well, like it's right next door. But you're kind of like, what could even be left to drilling? Exactly. Like, you, you must just what are like, you doing? You've just made something into it. Like also, like, a... random times, like, they'll just drill for sort of two minutes, really loud, and then stop. Well, that seems At like nine. But that sounds like you're putting up a picture frame or something. But you know mm. when it's just like the prolonged drilling. How you're many kind of like, pictures do you need to fucking put up with a power drill? <laughs> just use a hammer. Um. Yeah, depends. Depends on what the wall's like. Because I, I drilled four holes this week to put up my yeah. pictures. Have I showed you them? No. It's the ones from my debris show. Well, this is kind of weird. <gasps> oh, cool. Oh, so they're on. The oh, wall. that's what I thought would look good there when you yeah. had them. I and want roughly them. level, and then I also uh, adjusted my. Jesus, that was a good so bang. That's uh, level with them too. Do you yeah, not? It. Could you? It's crazy. It's the kind of stuff that happens in my flat. It's just nuts. Um, what is she drilling though? It's unclear. No, that's it. Because I then in the subtitles it says, "Oh, we're putting up a mezzanine." Oh. Um, presumably they mean like okay. a, a false wall or something. But then she's no. like, oh, the head of the bed has to go this way. And... No, a mezzanine bed like that's quite common oh. in Paris. So like, like a, a bunk bed, bed that doesn't have right. a bottom because you've that not got much sense. space. So I guess, right. Right. yeah. Oh, okay. Because she's like, it has to go against this wall. Yeah, because of Feng Shui, like it has to face, yeah. your head needs to be facing north. Yeah. And then the guy's like, well, enough of your sushi or something. <laughs> it's bullshit. <laughs> I noticed the guy is wearing a sweater that has Alfa Romeo on it. This oh. is Perhaps what? our first bit of um, what's Alfa Romeo? Was, it's, it's a car brand. Oh yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure it isn't. I was going to joke that it's what's the word like paid inclusion? What's the word for that? You know, sponsor. Where they, sponsor. But is that or advertising? What in the film? Yeah, you know, like yeah. where films they they sort of put in yeah. items and pay to have them there. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's the word for that? There's a special. There word. is a word for it, but I can't mm. think. Paid um, I'm going to look it up. Well. And then. We go outside and it's the first thing of Charlotte Gansburg. Mm -hmm. 
and um and she's unpacking so presumably she's moving in there as well but like their stuff is ridiculous she's got three bird cages in no, her hand five, five. five and there's a really weird old not weird there's just an old painting propped up yeah. against the van you know properly old a, oil um, painting there's a kind of a, a not like a, a mannequin like the bottom half of a mannequin oh very, i didn't see that um, kind of um like suspenders kind of uh thing so she has artists or they have arty stuff because in the flat already which i was a bit curious about because it's like maybe it was already there because how did they get it in but behind the girl putting up the bed there's um those kind of like they sort of look like something that becky would have like printer trays or drawers yeah oh i think it looks more like a coffee full shop. of stuff it has those oh yeah drawers and then those coffee sort in. of yeah, the tins on top. Or yeah, tins of glass jars, sort of jars of stuff. Or something. Yeah, it looks kind of arty, like a sort of. It doesn't look like of... people are moving in at all. That's no. The that other shot is it. It looks like an established room. Kind of, although there are boxes of things. It's also unclear how a bed is going to fit in. There's... It doesn't look like a bedroom either. There's like books piled up and things. Hmm. Uh... Five five empty bird cages. Yeah. Ridiculous. She's wearing suede brown suede shoes and grey corduroys <laughs> very, um, I also noticed know. they kind of he's, they've emptied the stuff out of the van onto the street and then she's collecting it so it's, it's sort of a bit unusual that rather than yeah. just taking it directly from the van and I noted the van's number plate and was going to do some kind of nerdy research on that and then I discovered the French have a ridiculous system for number plates and I was like I just I was thinking that and I was like yeah I was actually thinking looking at that but maybe they haven't paid for them to bring the stuff in maybe but they're just like get it out and then they're going to drive off because they've got those two dudes helping them because in the UK for our foreign listeners we have quite a good system now where you can just type in pretty much any number plate and it tells you some tiny useless bits of information like whether right. the car has been taxed and oh, yeah. this type of car as well you know so it's like if it's uh you know, if you saw a yellow voxel it will say it's a yellow voxel and if it doesn't you've probably got the number plate wrong or there's something dodgy going on mm. but um yeah the french system is like so many different combinations of how the letters and numbers work and then like what color the plate is background or foreground there's like different ones and like certain t- diplomats of this color and you're just like wow it's a mad frenchy system right and in america you can tell what state they're from yeah i don't know i never fully understood because the thing i think is interesting as well is that each i think each state in america can issue its own plates independently so they have different rules for what you can have on each plate okay when um, we drove to yosemite we played a game of looking, trying to find all as many states as we could from number plates. Right. And it was a lot. But it was interesting seeing where most of them were from. I mean, obviously California, but like yeah. other than California. Yeah. yeah it was quite fun. Because it's that thing where it's sort of like seen as sort of being a bit suspicious when you have out of state plates. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Because you're like going across. Yeah. Line. I don't know if lines. you move if you move state, do you have to re-register your car or is it just where well, it, it might just be one of those tropes because it's like there's different laws in different places, so it shows yeah. that someone's like running from the law, maybe. Yeah. Or just sort of you know, traveling in some way. Yeah. Um, suspicious. I remember right. the only one I remember is that um 
I think New Hampshire has uh, live free or die, I believe, stamped on its number plates. <laughs> oh yeah, because they all have the like a little motto. slogan, yeah. yeah. And um, an image. I like the California one, it's got a nice bear. And I don't know, I can't remember what their thing is. Maybe it's like, yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> Chill. <laughs> and a little surfer dude. Um, yeah, so then uh, Charlotte is in the street and she's carrying all these bird cages, and then a guy comes towards her, and then she does that awkward dance thing where you can't get out of each other's way. You keep stepping the same direction uh, over and over, and then it, we see it from above as well. Them like still doing it, and then it cuts to. Oh, which so from that shot, we yeah. now also think that we really are inside the apartment above the. Yeah. Um, Looking down. The news agents that we saw earlier so that mm. it's not second kind of, floor <clears throat> maybe yeah but well but you know it's not like uh as so often in films where it's kind of like the front mm, doesn't match yeah yeah oh that's true um and then we cut to stefan <laughs> what's cat doing oi cat naughty things i have to give her a hard stare and she's like <gasps> yes, i think stare sorry. yeah um stefan's in a studio in his studio again eggbox studio and he's writing on the screen like it's a chalkboard. So it's appearing in white glowing letters, which is quite yeah, so cool. I like that effect. Miming yeah. Writing and it appears on yeah, the but screen. the, yeah, well, he's not miming it. I mean, he is miming it in real life, but in his thing world, he's writing it and it's appearing. Um, I like it. it's a cool effect. And he writes, he says PSR and he writes parallel synchronized randomness. And this is what, so, and then he, well, I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, he spins the letters on the left and that, that's quite nice as well. I like that. He like sets them spinning and then they like the mm. first letter of each word. Um, and then he starts to say what this is, the improbability of two. Oh no, that's, that's what I looked up. Sorry. He starts to say something, but I think that's all we get. Something about yeah, a brain. He just opens the drawer to get up to. Okay. Doesn't he say something uh, like a brain something? Yeah. A phenomenon or something. Anyway, so I looked up parallel synchronized randomness. I was like, okay, is this a thing? What is it? And what came up was uh, tons of stuff because this, I think, is a. I don't say it's famous because I don't know how. Like, well, this film is famous, but like, this is a phrase so I think in the next minute he'll explain what it is but that Gondry's made up that people use so and people kind of like it and lots of people have kind of taken it like and the meaning of it which we haven't got to yet but um there's a band that have called their album it they're called 8-Bit Tiger and there's just like loads of people have just put this this clip up of him saying this so whatever comes next I think it must be kind of like either key or interesting because it came up a lot but also uh so someone described it as the impos the improbability of two separate subjectivities merging and then i found this essay which is really cool and i wondered if i could read a little bit of it it might be a bit of me just request talking. denied but request denied <laughs> yeah really no no of course you can but wait let me just say the um the bits go for uh, it boring bits yeah the cardboard camera has the word guzzle or i don't know how you pronounce it g-u-s-l-e 
because I'm obsessed with all the bits that the cardboard is made from. Oh. And this is much more mundane. It's from <laughs> IKEA. It's oh, cool. <laughs> it's a lampshade, and uh, and I think also the the little dresser in the background might be a Malm dresser, the blue one. Ah, oh, um, cool. He says an interesting brain rarity. That's it. An interesting yes. brain rarity. Okay. And, and it's just opens, a yeah. Sorry. He opens a desk drawer and there's a there's a snow globe and some paint in there and oh. a book of poems by Paul Verlaine. Oh, cool. I then looked oh, up and he has an interesting life where. Oh, yeah. The lane. Um, uh, that other philosopher. Well, <laughs> he also was. Wasn't he gay? Berlin? Yeah, he was. Yes. Yeah. He, and he, left and his... he died quite young. He was very pretty. Yeah. I remember I had this friend in Paris. Amber, who was upset, she found out about Valen and he was quite good looking and she was obsessed with him. <laughs> and she, I just remember her. He's got a bit of a she fancied way. him. Okay. I think it was more his. Maybe was it him? Hey, age, age 51, he died. Yeah. I bet she, I bet she was obsessed with. Um, maybe someone else. Who was that? Uh, I can't find it now. Oh. Another poet. Um, there was some gay young poet who was connected with Villain in some way. Maybe he had an affair mm. with him or something that she yeah, was uh, really Rimbaud. into. Yeah, think, Rambo. Rambo. Yeah, Rambo. Yeah. yeah. I can't say it right. That's who she was. Yeah, baby. But I think Villain as well. And I remember, he, he's, right. he's much hotter looking. Yeah. But I think it was, I don't know. Anyway, she liked his poetry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, this essay is by a woman called Jane Shadbolt. It's quite old now. It's 2013. Um, and it's called uh, Parallel Synchronized Randomness, which is what oh. I came up with. Stop motion animation in live action feature films. Right. And she talks about, I hope I'm going to sort of do this justice and get it right. I've kind of tried to highlight the bits I wanted to talk about because it's, it's quite long um, and quite academic, but really interesting. It's, a, it's about uh, the use of stop motion and digital how digital uh CG, like cgi has replaced that and how the kind of the effect of that and she talks about king kong in the first half and then talks about science of sleep and what she says about king kong is that um basically she talks about the original one and how it shouldn't the reason that it works this is the, her main point is that stop motion creates a strange um, effect of like suspended disbelief. Is that right? Or suspended belief, suspended disbelief mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and kind of creates a kind of dreamlike in-between feeling. So it's not real and it's not not real and it's somewhere mm -hmm. in between and that that's a really interesting thing. But the original one, they tried really hard to and they labored over this trying to create this suspense suspension of disbelief because they were like this is not going to be frightening because everyone can just see that it's a model um and what how, why it works and she talks about peter jackson's one that that it doesn't work and that he, even he says that it kind of failed is that once you start using actual like flawless and seamless digital rendering it just becomes realistic when what you don't want is realism what you want is some kind of like strange in-between thing mm -hmm. um 
So she says that in the end, what worked was that Kong's resemblance to a machine pretending to be an ape is what is unsettling, as opposed to the realistic depiction of a mythical beast. The mechanical flaws of Kong's creation could recede in the audience's mind, while the real amazement was that a stringless puppet could exist in the same frame as Fei Ray at all. So it's kind of like, without pointing it out, the fact that you can kind of see, yes, this is a model, isn't seamless when they cut to the building this is clearly a model and it doesn't fit and this is clearly a real woman but once you kind of let go of that and you're like okay it is a machine but it also is really clever what they've done and you're buying into the story that creates the connection with it um and that's kind of something that jackson when he was trying to make it just couldn't do and people when they're trying to use cgi just it kind of fails um and we've got a quote from, and now I've, I've pulled it out and I can't remember who it was, which is bad. Uh, but I'll read it and then I'll try and find who the quote was. So neurologically, because we do not plan to act on what we are paying attention to, our brain's reality testing systems shut down. We don't doubt. Psychologically, more comprehending entails belief. Sorry, psychologically, mere comprehending entails belief. We experience anomalous suspense, believing for the now, for the now, things that we know perfectly well are not true and could not be true. Um, and then she talks about kind of like the camp and how you can't plan for it. And once you do that, then that's when the magic happens. And then she's saying like one of the few modern directors that does this is Gondry. Um, and he's never relied on this digital world. Um, and so some of the things she says, uh, and I tried to pull out so I'm not giving away any spoilers because she talks about what comes next, so I won't, don't worry. But, oh, yeah, um, that's partly why I didn't look into this yeah, too much because yeah, the stuff was like spoilers. And I was like, but I the bits that them. are just sort of general. So um, mm. in this framework, Gondry's film worlds run parallel to traditionally accepted ideas of representational reality, as well as current trends in special effects. His films celebrate an aesthetic of cotton wool clouds and cellophane fires that have a half-remembered air of kindergarten about them, a faux homemade aesthetic. They are faux because the jauntily crafty, crafty DI, sorry, DIY props and sets are not as do-it-yourself as they appear, and it took 10 crew members working for almost three months to give these cardboard miniatures that disingenuously amateur handmade look in The Science of Sleep. The reproduction of handicrafts evocative of childhood is part of Gondry's charm and part of his intention in depicting Stefan's inner world. As physical manifestations of the hero's psyche, the cardboard cameras and cars look like they could have been assembled by the bumbling Stefan himself. Gondry's stories are about engaging with the idea of play, a province of childhood, and of exploring symbolic representations rather than literal ones. The film creates a world where the combination of stop motion and real life is entirely plausible and the physical impossibility of the effects are used to raise questions about the subjective state of the pro protagonists. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, as such, Gondry's special effects work to disrupt conventional filmic worlds rather than construct immersive filmic environments. The gap between the real and the imagined is an integral part of the narrative. The materiality of Gondry's aesthetics serves to highlight these filmic ruptures between real and imagined worlds. And the effects are designed to be seen as separate visual elements distinctly apart from the live action. Gondry's effects function differently to the aesthetic imperative of CGI, which as exemplified by Jackson's aesthetic directions for King Kong, finds its visual strength in creating 
creating seamless and unseen integration into live action film. So the point really is that he doesn't pretend that it's like, once the animation starts, he doesn't pretend that this is like seamless. It's obvious that it's an animation and that's kind of part of it. Yeah. And so you suspend your disbelief, but you still are invested in the story and it kind of, he plays with that in-between thing, which is what I like. I think it's just, this is what I like about Gondry and she's just put it in a really <laughs> clear, well, way. Mm -hmm. um, and this is nice as well. Gondry's emotional landscapes are about memory, dreams, anxiety, and disconnection. His visual landscapes are obsessed with scale, forced perspectives, reflections, rotated, disorientating worlds and miniatures. They're made of cardboard, yarn, and tape, producing an aesthetic that is mannered, artificial, and dreamlike. Gondry risks trivializing his narrative by including tropes that suggest that the narrative can be reduced to it's all a dream, which provides a narrative and philosophical excuse to wallow in loosely connected episodic moments. It does, however, allow for moments in which the confusion caused by the conflation of Stefan's waking and dreaming worlds expose the fragility of the character's subjective experience. I mean, it's starting to, it's not really giving things away because he already has like woken and kind of gone into a dream. Um, yeah. Uh, and that well, it, yeah, like, we've been talking about that, haven't we? Already, like, yeah. What, where is the boundary here, and what is the kind of yeah. like, TV studio? Where are we mm. conscious or subconscious? Or yeah. And then the last bit is just saying that the um, that his films are antithetical, antithetical. Sorry, to the seamless world of blockbuster films and CGI effects because they simultaneously draw attention to, and yet away from the artificial nature of the effects. So the goal of a blockbuster is to convince the audience that the visual elements that make up a shot are within the frame and filmed with the actors. So as if it's actually happening there, not in a green screen. Um, whereas Gondry, by contrast, the effects in Science of Sleep appear dreamily wrong, precisely because they do exist within the frame with the actor. He's actually got some cardboard cutouts of buildings or whatever. Many effects in the Science of Sleep were shot in camera without digital compost, composting. And there was little need for this type of integration as the effects are simply as they appear when shot. When Stefan appears to be flying across an animated cityscape, the actor is swimming in a large tank of water in front of a rear projection of the animated footage. So I didn't realize that. Because we heard that he was actually swimming in water, but I didn't get that he was actually in front of it as they were filming it. So it, yeah. they didn't put it on afterwards. That's cool. Um, the artificiality of the individual elements, such as the flipping cardboard city beneath the weightless flying actor, removes the burden of making photorealistic representations and declares real can be faked and the faked can be real. The irony, however, is that Gondry's layered fabrications demonstrate an illusory dream state that actually presents an indexical. Do you know what that means? No. Dexical relationship between camera and its subjects created in one uncomposited shot. The construction and effect of the shot. I guess indexable might counter mean. to CGI. Like Hmm. Might have to look that up. That. Yeah. Well, it's cool though. It's really, uh, it's really interesting. Um. And it, yeah, just from that, from that uh, phrase. So I think maybe this phrase is kind of key to what he's trying to do. Indexical means relating to or denoting a word or expression whose meaning is dependent on the context in which it is used. What? The academic way. Oh, of like indexing, such as here, you, me, that one there, or next Tuesday. Right. I'm not sure how. 
why is it coming up now? Like, why is this triggered by the drill? I don't know. What do you yeah, think? That's... Is he back in a dream? Or... No, I think it's it's not a dream at the moment. No. It's because it's it's because um, it's also supposed to be because it's like the, the show is talking directly to us. His TV show mm. is this this kind of um, what was it? What was the initial title of it? He's already forgotten. Of his show, it was, just, it was Stefan TV, but he was like, "Welcome yeah. back to another episode of." I thought it was just was Stefan TV. Oh, maybe that. Yeah, perhaps it's just that. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's kind of it's kind of explaining the science of sleep, but also kind of mm. other phenomenon, 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 phenomenon. And I guess this. Um, I've already forgotten what the three letter acronym he gave it was but anyway the, the kind of synchronized e randomness s r was it psr personal PSR. personal A parallel parallel synchronized so randomness well? so parallel alongside each other they're alongside each other i'm trying hard to not because i know what this is right. i just have watched oh, I a bit ahead of it okay well so parallel so they let's talk about it next so time at the same time but it's random and randomness so it's unpredictable yeah. <laughs> Do you think that two people trying to avoid each other does fit that particularly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Question. Yeah. One of the things <laughs> I find that's quite interesting is when, um, how often threes occur? I mean, obviously a three is a very common number, but threes. when you walk down the street, where like how often it happens that you walk past somebody else at the same time, and, and you meet at a point where there's like a lamppost. So once you. What? Now, now, now you know about this. You, you probably notice it more. But like, if you're just walking down an empty street, someone else is coming towards you. It to me feels like it happens too often that at the point at which you pass, there's some wow. third object. That's interesting. And I, I wonder whether you're both kind of psychologically, mm. subconsciously, like speeding up and slowing down to make it happen. Yeah. Some kind <gasps> of like you know who gets oh. their first kind of claiming it kind of or, or I don't know, or that it's it can be used in some sort of way as something to protect you know from the other person or that's psychological sociological really thing of of passing someone in a street is kind of interesting because it's I it like I realized it I thought about it when I was learning to drive because when I first was learning to drive well it's still really what I find really difficult when you have to do that sort of meeting thing and my instructor would say well you just have to kind of communicate with them. I'm like, how do I know who's going first? How do I know if I should stop? And partly, obviously, if you have a space, yeah. like if you're coming up and they're coming down and there's not much, you can't both pass each other. One of you's got to stop, right? But some of it is communication. And it's weird in a car because what I noticed was, so there's one way of doing it in a car. Obviously, you can't, like, it's not body language. It's, like, what you're doing with the car. Your, the car is your kind of tool. So, like, if you're edging forward, they can see you're edging forward. If you're slowing down, they can see you're slowing down. But what I noticed, started noticing, like, when you're walking, how often you do this so naturally. But it's not, if you think about it, it's a thing we have to learn. Like, so if you're walking on a pavement and you, someone's coming the other way, and there's no room for both of you <laughs> you have to communicate 
non-verbally as to who is going to get out of the way. Otherwise, you just mm. crash into each other and you don't crash into each other. You do. I mean, some people are dicks and they just Very don't get out of your way. And yeah. You do have that thing where but, you both get booked. Yeah. And occasionally you get this thing where you can't decide like Charlotte Gansberg's doing. But it's an interesting thing because it is something that you learn to read. Like, I can see that they're kind of this kind of, oh, I don't know. You just, it's so, there's so much going on there that we take for, advantage you know take for granted that we can just do we don't think about it we're just like yeah. i'm going to go to the right and as soon as you start to think about it it becomes really difficult you're like Ugh. now you're overthinking it but equally what if you're someone who cannot read other people you know what if you're highly autistic you cannot read other people's body language yeah that must be really difficult so it's quite interesting and also why does that thing happen like why do you both make the same decision does that mean that you're like too in sync does that mean that one of you is overthinking it what does it mean i think yeah it's not it's one of those weird things so it does happen mostly automatically yeah yeah you have to kind but of what uh, goes wrong when you're not able to do it i wonder yeah i don't know one of the things actually i found that was interesting is i used to roller skate quite a lot yeah and it's easier to avoid people on roller skates <laughs> um, because because um, they have less freedom to do crazy things. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it, because, so you're sort of, and it's actually the walking is one of the least predictable methods of moving. And I, I find that as well when I'm cycling, one of the worst things is when you see a pedestrian standing in the middle of the road because they've started to cross the road mm. and then there's a car coming. So they're stuck in the middle of the road yeah. and you're cycling towards them. Because if you cycle behind them, they sometimes jump backwards. And if you right. cycle in front of them, they might carry on walking forwards or they Ugh. stop. So you, you can't really tell because it's like they could go backwards, forwards or stay still. So you can't, there's no path that is good for avoiding them. Mm. It's really weird. And I think, because um, that's one of those things you find in the velodrome that they have there, you're cycling at high speed. And so nobody has brakes. You, you're, you're, You've um, been on a velodrome? Yeah. Oh, wow. The, um, Where was that? Uh, Hearn Hill. There's, oh my God, uh, there's, I'd love to do the, that. There's the velodrome from um, the fun? 1950s. Yeah, it's fun. The 1950s uh, uh, Olympics. It's, it's a it's a strange velodrome because it's too uh, it's the wrong size now. It's it's 450 meters, and for Olympic classifications, they now have to be the 500 or 250. But um, so they just hire it out. It's it's just uh, it, there's a sort of you know friends of Hearn Hill velodrome. And you just go along on sort of certain days of the week and borrow a bicycle and cycle around it. But uh, yeah, it's weird that it's it's safer to not have brakes because if you have brakes, someone in front of you might stop quickly, and then mm. you go into the back of them. So it's like if nobody can stop, then everyone has to just keep going at the same kind of speed. Right. So same and, when you're uh, swimming. If you're in a swimming pool, you kind of have to have that yeah awareness of other people and how you're gonna. Yeah, because that's the weird, that is weird, isn't it? The, the walking is the most unpredictable. Mm. Mm. I and it is still is also unpredictable because start. But it, is, it must be quite sociological because I suppose it depends who the person is as well. You get a feeling of like, are they going to be the kind of person who's going to move out of the way or not? Yeah. Yeah. Or do I want to get out of their way? Like, do they feel threatening in some way? children even more unpredictable yeah 
and teenagers are notoriously completely unaware like I don't know if this is a thing maybe they're just because they're not very good in their own body physical space they kind of can be quite clumsy teenagers I think so they kind of haven't grown into themselves and they just are not aware of other people they're very self-centered as well so they're just not aware of other people around them they'll just barrel into you and not get out of the way right and then that should we leave it there then yeah and then we can yeah um, see how it's exciting to finally it. see to see charlotte charlotte so i guess they're going to become neighbors yeah oh yeah that, that wasn't how i was expecting them to meet no i don't even remember this bit i've mm. kind of forgotten what happens now so it's quite fun it's going to be kind of embarrassing if he takes her around to her place and he's got his like 10 year old's bedroom oh, no. in this crib anyway, but then she's got happens. fucking five empty bird cages so i mean yeah <laughs> yeah presumably she doesn't have birds for them they're just decorative objects maybe she's going to make something out of them hmm. maybe she's doing an art degree Oh. All right. Oh, oh! You wanted me I to just you... stop there. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I like those right. kinds I will of think. endings where people just don't realise it's finished. Oh. That was a perfect one. Uh, okay. All right. Bye. Bye, listeners.